for me, man, like being able to work with these guys, for, first of all, being able to make a living off fucking rap music Bro, is, facts. is that, that's a blessing. Like my parents used to be like, yo, Mm. You know, you can't remember your math terms or as much as you know the rap lyrics. Like, these are things my parents used to say to me as much as they influenced me and, mm -hmm. and, you know, like, told me to do it. Like, I'm honestly making a living off fucking rap music. Like, it's crazy. So to me, that's, that's the thing, whether, you know, whether we made a million dollars or $20. Like, to me, that's what's dope about it more than anything. So I think a lot of these artists coming in, they have to know what they want it for. Like, a lot of them are like, yo, I want it. And I'm like, what do you want? Oh, Lord, Jensen made another one. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm your host, Brandon Jinx Jenkins, and welcome back to another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast, which you can watch exclusively on Spotify. This week, we're talking with Generation Now's DJ Drama, Don Cannon, and Layton Lake Show Morrison about the state of hip-hop. We're going to talk about the status of the stars, local scenes powering the national trends, women running shit, Jack and Uzi, and of course, Gangsta Grills. So guys, what's up, man? Welcome. What's up, y'all? How you, How you doing? Thanks for having us. How y'all feeling, man? I'm feeling great. CAU or Morehouse? This is, this, this is a Morehouse chat, but this is really AUC. <laughs> it's, two, it's two Morehouse. Yeah, it's, two yeah. ver, it's two verse two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, two, yeah. It's two verse two. I didn't know all y'all went. So did you guys all meet in the AUC? Yeah. 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 At yeah. the same time. Yeah. We met, me and Lake met in 96. And we met Cannon in 97. I, I literally kind of remember meeting Lake on the first, like my first interaction was like in a, a cypher and me beatboxing and <laughs> wow. him being like a rapper at the time and, and him, him spitting. And you don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all met on some like hip hop shit in the AUC too. Which is fire because I feel like I went there in the year, so I got to school in there like 05-ish, and by then everyone knew Atlanta was a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. This is right around the change. Of course, Gangster Grills tapes. I mean, this is like, you know, this is Lil Wayne becoming mm -hmm. Lil Wayne. But just to jump back to those early years, could you guys, did you guys see what it is now back then, or was it like? I, I feel like I definitely knew that Atlanta was becoming the mecca of uh, hip-hop, you know, in our formidable years of, of being in the AU and in the late 90s and being in college and just, you know, just from kind of moving around the city and just watching from the club scene, you know, um, how many artists would just, ha you know, have to come through the Atlanta University Center and, you know, even behind the scenes, like how much writing and pro producing and how many studios were important to what was taking place in hip-hop. Damn. For sure. It's like those really formative years. And then for you all, you guys decided to take this interest and love in the culture and turn it into like a really, really formative business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What are the early days of Generation Now? Because we think about it now, like everyone, like they, they know who you guys are. They know the logo. They know the artists. They're proven. But like, what are the early days of building this, this, uh, this collective? Man. Uh, <laughs> the Mean Street Studios, yeah. one room. Them doing radio in one room, still trying to build it out. I remember Drum had an initial partner that kind of fell through. Made some mistakes building it, had to rebuild it again. For real, bro, we were just working and enjoying the work. Like, all of this really comes from the love of the music. It really doesn't come from anything else. You mm. know what I'm saying? And everything kind of comes into fruition from there. Like, um, I don't think there was a, a, like, a derivative, like, plan for us to be like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to be Generation Now. We, they were already successful mixtape GJs. I was making my way around, you know, in the management scene and so on and so forth. Um, we always had our ear and our eye out for talent. Uh, we just put our heads together, made it work. We worked with each other for over 20 years, but we never really, like, formed a, an actual company and made it happen. And when we did it, it just took off. 
which to me is like um, when you get to the AUC, they tell you it's going to be like that, right? Mm-hmm. They tell you like you go, these are going to be your friends forever. And the shit is actually super true, Man. Facts, right? Man. Yeah. But I think for you guys to do that and turn that into a business that um, it's not just about, I mean, obviously it's, it's a bond and a friendship there, but for a lot of us, it's setting the example of like what you can be in this space, what you can do musically. Um, and then for the people who aren't involved, like for you guys, you guys are making the artists or you guys are helping to birth the artists that are making the music that soundtracks their lives. Right. So when you're looking at who you guys got now, I mean, some of the biggest artists on the planet, right? Like literally. I was just, uh, I went to the Drake show at the Apollo mm-hmm. and right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a Drake show. So of course energy is crazy, but then Uzi walks in mm-hmm. and it just like, it does, you know, like one song, you know, and then says bye. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's the Uzi way. Okay. Bye. Yeah, exa- exactly <laughs> that. And I just watched the room turn inside out. When you guys are starting to find artists, what are you guys looking for? Especially today, right? Like I imagine it's gotta be more confusing today to find artists. Uh, it's not as, confusing but i think that we just have like a uh, a patent wrestling maneuver that we call like you know just the real inner artist the conviction we always say that and you know when we're moving around it's just having you know these artists really tied into where they want to be how they want to do it and who's going to help them and a lot of times i would love to say the artists know exactly where they're getting to when they come to us mm. you know i mean they know that we're going to develop they know they were going to stand behind them and and see their vision out and just, you know, our visions collectively with the artists and the company just, you know, makes the artist that much better because we have a vision as well. So yeah. we pull them together and, you know, it turns into like, you know, a mass weapon for, you know, the hip hop game. At least it feels like it's at least on the media side. People feel like there aren't as many stars today. There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of virality. There's people that pop up. You know, we were just talking about uh, some of these magazine covers. <laughs> like, this might be it. You know, mm-hmm. we might see you here and maybe not tomorrow. Um, do you feel like it's harder to find stars? Like, not like someone who can come up with the hit for the summer, like someone who has, like, staying power. Yeah, I, I think it's all relative, right? Because I, uh, I think that's always been, like, the cliche for an artist. Like, is he a star? Is she a star? And the yeah, truth yeah. is, like, I think what we found out is that you can develop artists into a star. You can see that potential into somebody. It's just like seeing somebody with a skill in basketball or seeing mm. somebody with a skill in football or anything. Like, if they have one skill... You can develop the other things and make it turn into like a full-fledged thing. So I don't think any artist we signed was the full package when we signed them. I think we helped groom a certain thing. And it can be something small from Canon helping with the production to them seeing how we dress. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like all those things are things that make an artist become a full-fledged superstar. How to communicate, you know, how to speak clearly. Um, I think all that stuff goes into it. So I don't, I don't think you have to necessarily go find a star because a lot of times the person that we look and say he's a star, he may not be They're it. They're not there yet. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like is absent from the space now today? Like, or what's happening? Like for me, I think, um, I think the numbers game just as like someone who works in media is like a killer to a lot of people. Cause like you got this scorecard on top of your, whatever profile you got in the world. And it says, okay, I'm there already, but maybe not. So I feel like, like social media has a huge effect on how we like, we rate things. We might think people should be bigger than they are. Maybe they're not. They might think they should be bigger than they are. Maybe they're not. What factors are happening today that we think is maybe hindering people becoming stars or the reason it's not as many today? I mean, you know, when, when we think about like, stars are, are are the biggest um entities in hip hop you know a lot of those are are people that like the world can relate to are very personable in music and their lives and we we you know again they're like you said they they become 
the soundtrack to our lives. Mm -hmm. So how we listen to our music is is not the same as it once was. At like, all. We all remember the time when we would run to the record store to buy a, a body of work, you know, and how important that album would be. And, you know, in today's day and time, albums haven't hit as much, you know what I'm saying? So, and I still think it's important that, you know, like with us too, that, that, that's very important, like full bodies of work, you know, when it comes to an artist, you know, hit records are incredible, great, you know, but it's about that body of work, you mm. know what I'm saying? And again, being that soundtrack and then beyond that, you know, taking it a step further because those who have incredible bodies of work also can go and become incredible touring artists, yep. you know, big ticketed artists, not just performing in the clubs and things of that nature. And, you know, that's something that we take pride in that we also um, like to help build and get to that point and being like, you know, the real deal, you know, when it comes to making solid albums, going on solid tours and, you know, longevity, like that's always been key for our careers as well as our artists' careers as well. I think sometimes people say, uh, <laughs> no one wants to like, not, sometimes the fans don't even want to blame the artists and it's people who actually functionally don't know what an A&R does, but mm -hmm. they'll be like, yo, there's not enough A&Rs, we need mm -hmm. to bring A&Rs mm -hmm. back. Is that, a, is that an oversimplification or is there some like truth to that, that some of these artists might need like that, that artistic and creative like, you know, steering? It's crazy you say that because I think, I think we're experiencing that more and more, you know, daily as we, we navigate through our stuff. And, and the thing is, is what happens, I think a lot of times is when artists reach success, I don't think they feel like they know it all. I think they feel like they may have the formula. And what they don't mm. understand is at the time is that music is ever changing, ever evolving, right? So yeah. what worked for you at that time may not be working, whether it's six months or two years from now, it changes like rapidly, you know what I'm saying? So I think there is a need for another voice in the room um, and I think sometimes that voice needs to be objective, and we all know that's not necessarily what's nah. <laughs> what what's like to be kept in the studio by an artist. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely think it's needed. I think you can tell who has that A and R help and who doesn't. What about just an internal, like the uh, the thing they come to the table with? So I'm thinking for you all, think about maybe like Jack or Uzi. What's the thing they came to the table with, and you were like, okay, we can build off this. Like you got this, and we can take these things and and do X, Y, and Z with them. They were both rappers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think they both, like, had lyrics. And I think, you know, us being real music fans and hip-hop fans, I think the first thing we gravitated to was they were able to actually rap. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's not funny that that's funny. But <laughs> that shit is so real. Like, yeah. like can, you, can you rap? That's, the, you know that's I mean? the bottom line. Everything else after that, I think, comes second. Like, I think that, you know, a lot of times as a group of us, we'd just be like, oh, he's a star, she's a star. But most of us like rap. It's always starting there for for us for some reason. It's like, can mm. you really rap? Yeah. Where did it come from? Did it come from rap? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's one and you know, everything else follows. I think for me, the thing that stuck out about both of them was is that they both knew where they were gonna go. Like when I first saw Uzi, he was confident as hell. He already knew, like, it was pretty much like, look, y'all could get on this or not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like y'all could y'all could I could fuck with me or not, you know what I'm saying? And I think even with Jack, like whether whether people thought he looked a certain way or was perceived a certain way, when he walked in there, he was pretty much like, look, I'm going to eventually be a star. You know what I'm saying? Like, and all we were like is, hey, let's help you get there and get you there fast. Mm. I, I think that's what we do too for us is like we we have legacy and we we offer shoulders to stand on. So again, with those two guys, 
I, you know, I, I definitely feel regardless of whether we were in the picture or not, they were going to be here, you know, but we, you know, we also offer the cheat code in a lot of ways where, you know what I'm saying? Because of, you know, our, our stature, you know, our history, <clears throat> our relationships, we allow them to get into rooms faster or mm. get in front of uh, a gigantic amount of people, you know, faster than they may go. And, and just even, you know, with the knowledge that we bring to the table, you know, Lake is a, a master at touring, you know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> setting up early on Uzi's touring was, was, you know, was all his brainchild, you know, to see where he is now. And, and with Jack, you know, Again, him him being in a room with, you know, three guys that created gangster grills and, you know, have have got some of the most potent, you know, hip hop beats in history, like all that um align with where he was already going just helps them get to where they're going faster. Mm. I feel like when you look at both of those artists, they uh like you said, they have core and actually being able to rap uh and be able to make music. <laughs> But they also can signify where rap is shifting and where it's going. Absolutely. Especially for you all being on that cutting edge, right? Like, because some people are playing in a certain genre, like, okay, we're going to stay in this tier. But you guys are, like, leaning towards the more experimental side. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see rap shifting towards in, like, the next two years, three years, if you can even go that far? Or, like, what's on the cusp of, like, the next couple months? Like, oh, I feel like we're, we're headed towards this direction. Whether it's a sound, a region. I don't know if it's a sound necessarily. I think it's more of where we're going after streaming. To me, mm. where are we moving? Because I think those also dictate the landscape of the music and how we look at things. One thousand percent. Sounds always change. They change so fast. Like you know what I mean. So I can't really. We can't sit here and say, "Hey, it's going to go into a dance era." Mm -hmm. Can't. We used to you know, be able to do that. Like, we want, we watched it go from crunk into, like, you know, EDM and stuff like that. Now it's so hard to pick because you got these multi-talented artists that are doing, you know, maybe a Jersey Club record or doing, mm -hmm. you know, West Coast record. You've seen Yachty just dropped the album. That's totally alternative. Like, it's just so much you can do. You don't know the direction, but I think knowing where streaming is heading or how we're, mm -hmm. our outlets of the digestion music, of music. the digestion yeah. of it, is probably the most important thing where it's going to help us learn where music is going. Do you all feel like you have some of that cheat code in just being uh, mixtape DJs? Because like, it's really nuts how much of the game looks like that, right? Like from how you consume music, right? Which is like a playlisting or like setting up a mixtape is a playlist. Like it's like sequencing, you know, um, you know, being able to put an album together and be like, or a project together and be like, you know, here's six artists you really like, but here's some other people like, there's a lot of that formula that is currently in the hands of the audience, you know? Even like, if, okay, if you're going and getting physicals, that's cool, but a lot of us were on that piff. Mm -hmm. And like, it was criminalized and now it's the business. Mm -hmm. exactly. Like, do you guys feel like you have some of that, that DNA that you all have um, helps you understand this space now? Yeah, I mean, I think our DNA is clearly in the game. For one, I, you know, I think, you know, just in, in, a, in a general space, us being mixtape DJs and our uh, a fixation with new shit, you know what I'm saying, and being ahead of the curve goes so far. You know, just even the name of our label, Generation Now. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, it comes from a mixtape series, you know, and two, just what it stands for. And it's like, you know, I think about our early days of, of being mixtape DJs, and it's like, you know, one, you got to beat the next DJ to the exclusive or, you know, beyond that, just have something that no one else has is so, you know, that's how we uh, want to attack like 
the music business and our label. And and like you said, you know, even even sequencing albums and, and playlisting, like, you know, we're masters at that because that's what we did for so long, you know, without even realizing, you know, how important it would be to our business and our careers later on. Yeah. When y'all say post-streaming, like, what do you, what do you think that is? Like, I, I don't even know, like, I guess I could see streaming coming like 10 years ago, but I don't even know what's the next thing. Like, I think, I think music is moving into short form content. I think people are, I think it's about consumption, right? So mm-hmm. people are moving into consuming via short form content, whether it's TikTok, whether it's YouTube and so on and so forth. And I think honestly, a lot of these young artists are adjusting to the game and they're getting into the catalog game, right? What, what I mean by that is like, you've been seeing a lot of people selling their catalogs. Yeah. And what they're doing is to me, you know, normally if you sell your catalog, you got to be the Beatles age, 50, 55 years old. These kids are 24 years old selling their catalog. But what people don't understand is they feel like they're giving away so much. But honestly, they're looking ahead. They're saying, I'm 24. I'm going to be in this until I'm 35. So honestly, they sell one catalog and they start building Ooh, another catalog right away. So if they just sold their catalog two months ago, they got a project coming every four months. So in two years, that same 10 album catalog that it took them five years to build, they're going to be able to build in two years, like you said, because it's, you know, it's pretty much like the mixtape game now. Like if you look at the right young boy puts out tapes or the, or the right Kodak is putting out music, like, yeah. honestly, those guys could dump off 300 songs and have 300 more songs in two years. You know what I'm saying? So nuts. some guys are working quality. I mean, qu- quality, and some people are working quantity, and it's working for both. So... That's what I think it's moving into. It's moving into the catalog game, and I think it's moving into more short-form content. Do y'all like it as short-form content? And I say that because um, I've been around just long enough to have a preference, right? Where I'm like, I like this. And it's crazy where songs blow up on, uh, they might blow up on TikTok, right? It's always like our default answer. Like they blow up on TikTok. And it has a different staying power, right? Like, it's like maybe, I'm used to shit, you know, unfolding in a music video and like mm-hmm. there being a rollout. And sometimes there isn't one. The numbers are still the numbers. The money's still the money. But like, do y'all like it? I think the problem that's happening is, is that it goes back to the star conversation we're having. The artists are having big records, but no identity, mm-hmm. right? Word. So you're watching these guys go, or these people go on TikTok, and they're they're doing all these dances to every one of your records, but they're never seeing the artist's face. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they never even look at who the artist is. They just type in, you know, just to use it as an example, as it was. The yeah, Harry yeah, Styles yeah, record, yeah. you hear it a million times a day. I'm sure a lot of people find out that it's Harry Styles after they type in as it was, you know? So... Again, like, I think for, for you monetarily, it works for you. But what, for what we're trying to build, we need you to be able to put a face with that song. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think that's what Jack really did. I think his brand built so high that all he had to do was get the music to catch up to it. And once mm. he started making good records, it's perfect. Mm. I always wonder because I'm like, it's, it's a both, right? There's both. There's like this artist that are like huge profile and they don't got the music, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you could, you could sell anything then. You mm-hmm. can go and do, uh, I don't know, like... And getting celebrity boxing or whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, you can do all these other side missions, but it's like, how does that affect the music and the art? Um, do you guys feel like that changes the independence conversation at all, right? Because, like, you could be an artist now, and, you know, I guess a couple years ago, they were like, you had to come to the label as a fully built talent, and then the label would take you from there. But now there's kids who are like, I'm just going to go run this distro kit up, or I'm going to sit on TikTok and, like, get my coins direct from a, a tech company, as opposed to, like, say I want to be a full-fledged touring artist. That changes the independence conversation a bit. I mean, one, I think it's it, it's about if they're prepared for the moment, you know? A lot of times people may come to the table and have a big record and then not be ready for what what's to come after. You when you know? say that, what do you mean? Like, like someone may put out, someone may hit 
whether it's through TikTok, whether it's, you know, having a record that moves in the clubs or what have you, and then they have this huge record, but they're not prepared for the moment with having a follow-up. So it's mm. like, here they are, and, you know, you, you got this one record. You're still trying to make people, you know, first identify you with the record, and then what comes next? So then this this time and space happens between that record and then when they're ready to follow it up with another record or an album or a project. And then it's like they missed that. They missed that boat. They missed that window. I can sometimes tell when the record's big and then um, and they get here, they're like right in front. And I'm like, and they just, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, no one ran you through. Like, yo, you know, you're like, your record's huge. You, you're going to be famous. You got to do this now. And you can kind of tell sometimes they don't know how to. Um, they're not ready. Yeah, they don't. ready for it. Yeah. yeah. Like, first time I met Jack, alarmingly cool. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like, I, I get nervous. You know what I'm saying? I'm just doing, and I, all you do is ask the questions. And there was like a way he just cut through a room that was yeah. like, you know, like. He's very witty. He's very quick on his toes. Too quick. You know, yeah. where I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to keep up. And it's uh, like almost stand-up comedian quick. Yeah. But he was, he felt so ready and so built for what was to come. And I remember asking him um, before the cameras went, we did some shit for Sprite or something. And I was like, yo, you feel like this is going quick? And he like, <laughs> he was just chuckled to himself and his turn was like, it's not going quick enough. And just turned back. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit, you know? I, I mean, you know, if you, if you go and do your research on both, you know, Jack and Uzi, you can go see them 10, 15 years ago yeah. rapping, you know, at young ages. So for them, you know, he, I think for Jack, I mean, I, River Road is such an important record. And for anybody watching this that is, you know, is a Jack Hollow fan, hopefully you know you are familiar with River Road. But it's it's a record with him being very introspective and being like, damn, when I I thought it was my time, I thought it was now, mm -hmm. and it hasn't been. It's been a minute since. Did I change it? Did they rob me of my innocence? Inner city kids I grew up with, we have some differences, but inside gymnasiums, it's almost like they didn't exist. Those are two individuals we're speaking of that, you know, I think had visions of being rap stars at very young ages. So even when it got to the moment of when it when it popped, you know, whether it was Love Love is Rage uh, for Uzi or whether it was What's Poppin' for Jack, you know, they had been waiting and building for those moments for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as as quick as it may seem, it was also like, okay, now here's that here's this moment you know and thankfully for us even you know if we think about jack by by the time he had got to what's popping he had already been on what four four tours yeah, maybe three or four yeah, yeah three or four, three four tours, tours so already. he had already started create you know building up his his fan base and his his touring base so you know and then it hit at the time during covid in 2020 where he didn't really even get to like uh uh really feel the live through it right live through the record until a year later but you know by that point, it was like, okay, you know, I, I've, I've already built to, to this point, you know, and put a lot of the legwork in. And that that's that's important to us mm. and important to artists. And, you know, a lot of that comes with, you know, trusting the process and, and, and being prepared and, you know, just working. You know, everybody's lane or story or, or time is not going to happen the same. You know, but when it when it when it comes, you need to be ready, you know, and that's one thing that we like to instill. And you know, help maintain that. Like when it when that moment comes, all right, just show up. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of what you're talking about too is patience, right? Mm, like absolutely. patience. <laughs> I just I can see how everyone reacted to it, right? Like 
it, patience <laughs> being a really important attribute, especially to new artists, what would be another one you say, like when you're looking at someone or when you're like, you're working with them, like here's going to be something you need that is beyond the music. Here's just a, a trait you need to work on. Patience is definitely one. I think more than anything, every every artist needs to understand that their path is their own. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a yeah. lot of times when you're associated or when you're next to another artist, like you may feel like you want what they have or feel like you didn't get it fast enough, but everybody's path is different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everybody, you know, it, a guy may come in that we signed that, that just started rapping two weeks ago and blow up the next day. And that doesn't discredit the five years of work that another artist puts in. You know, everybody's path is different. So I think, honestly, man, just like, I, I, I think one thing that these kids aren't getting a chance to do because of the social media network or the social media thing is, is they're not, they're not appreciating every moment, every step of it. You know what mm. I mean? For me, man, like being able to work with these guys, for, first of all, being able to make a living off fucking rap music Bro, is, facts. is that, that's a blessing. Like my parents used to be like, yo, mm. you know, you can't remember your math terms or as much as you know the rap lyrics. Like these are things my parents used to say to me as much as they influenced me and, mm-hmm. and you know, like told me to do it. Like I'm honestly making a living off fucking rap music. Like it's crazy. So to me, that's that's the thing, whether, you know, whether we made a million dollars or twenty dollars. Like to me, that's what's dope about it more than anything. So I think a lot of these artists coming in, they have to know what they want it for. Like a lot of them are like, yo, I want it. And I'm like, what do you want? Do you want fame? Mm. Do you want money? Or do you just love it? Because I know what I want. I want to wake up every morning and have hip hop debates and discussions and talk about albums and sequence records and listen to mixes. You know, that's the part that I love. So I think that's what this generation really needs to like tap into. Man, it's funny. I remember being, uh, and y'all know that, like, you know the Morehouse dress code. It's like suit, tie, everything. <laughs> and I, I struggle with that, right? Like, I was, you know, people try to put the fitted on with the suit. It don't really work, but you try. I was the anti, too. I was, I was one of those. I yeah, one of those. it's funny. I run into so many more people, and from the AUC in general, who felt, but Clark was different. Clark, y'all, like, y'all made people for this industry. Like, yeah. like y'all were... There was, B, there was a B-listers. It's cool. Nah, <laughs> yeah. Stop doing that. <laughs> Shout out, man, Kenya Barris. Shout out, Mace. Num- Shout out, one. Bobby Valentino. <laughs> number one uh, film, 73 countries. Yeah, man. Right it's like now. Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. I'd be yeah. off. That's, that's what I, I was always throw <laughs> that card down. We, we tossed Dra- it down. Drama Luther King Jr. <laughs> 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 but Luther King. I, I remember feeling like... Um, I remember I had this thing where I was talking to my professors, like, what do you want to do? And like, or like, what space do you want to be in? And I was like, it's going to sound crazy to you, but like how I'm dressed right now, she's like, yeah, I'm like, I want to do that every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not a real place to be in. But my idea was like, I want to, wherever space I'm in, they'll accept that and they'll get it. And I didn't know that I wanted to be like in the creative arts and everything, but it's like, it's having that vision and that intent the same way. Uh, for you, is there a trait that you see? Like, man, we're working with new artists. Or any artist that's out there more so, you could use this. Um, I would say uh, decision-making. And what I mean by that is being able to, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, the dumbed-down version is be able to pull the trigger. Uh, Being a little bit more decisive about what songs you want to use, what producers you want to be with, uh, how you want your album rolled out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It always gets into a place where it's like the creative mind switches so much you know i'm a creative oh. mind they're a creative mind so it switches so much but just having uh that one thing that says i'm gonna make the decision to do this uh there was a couple rappers that i really respected for that you know one of them being rick ross because when he has his body of work he knows how to pull the trigger mm. and that's one thing i took about you know his career is like 
he was coming. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing that I would want artists to really kind of like, if they could invest in uh, being being able to make decisions quicker or standing on decisions without having a whole bunch of influx ideas. Flip-flop, yeah. Exactly. That's mm. that's the one thing that I battle with uh, with all kinds of artists. They're just, you know, the decision-making, you know. Yeah. You know, we said we said a little bit earlier, you're talking about the uh, Uzi and Jack rap. And it's crazy because that's like a, it's not an extra today, but it's not as common as you would think to be in rap, you know, that people be able to rap. So I'm going to ask you guys as a group, do you feel like lyricism still matters, right? Like, mm. at large. <laughs> Absolutely. 1,000%. It's, it's, it's funny you ask that. And you know, for me, it's, it's their shows, you know? Mm. And so when you talk about lyricism, when I, t- I think about, you know, live shows and performances, you know, I st- to this day, one of the most potent moments of the last two, three years to me was when Jada was at, on the verses and was like, yo, we in New York City. Why are these niggas rapping to the songs? They could, y'all could have stayed in the car for that. <laughs> this is New York. This is hip hop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give me the beat. You know what I'm saying? It's that time, motherfuckers. These niggas don't run like out. us. All crazes, all burners, all raises. Hand down, nigga, the game is all Jada's. Anything drop, I copping all flavors. He's a dick, you pussy, y'all neighbors. <laughs> Rappers, hip hop over the years have have gotten somewhat lazy and lackadaisical when you know you go in front of an audience and you're performing with your song playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. No, like nigga, this is hip hop. Like, yeah, <laughs> put the beat on and rap your raps. You yeah, know what I'm saying right. with with no background vocals, and you know I think that's you know that that separates the men from the boys and or the the, the girls from the women. You know what I'm saying like when you the difference in, you know, getting up on that stage and, and really rapping your raps, you know, and that shit. And that goes back to lyricism, you know what I'm saying? And, and lyricism comes in different formulas. I, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want us to, when we say lyricism, think we're just talking about what's, how did, what do you say to, uh, what's the words? They would say lyrical miracle. Lyrical like, miracle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like lyrical. that, that doesn't, that's, that, that's not always <laughs> what <laughs> lyricism is. Like, you know, we don't give credit to certain artists when it comes to lyricism. People will debate 21 Savage as a lyricist, as a lyricist or Kodak Black as a lyricist per se. So, um, I think lyricism comes in different forms, but period point blank, like lyricism in my opinion, when it comes to hip-hop, it's always going to matter, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all rap. Y- all y'all nodded, but, like, it's the same same page? No, 100% for me. I, and I say this to every artist we have. There's a million guys out here trying to rap, but the five guys that everybody wants to be like can rap their ass off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fact. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, you know damn. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the Mount Rushmore is always mm-hmm. going to be the guys with them super-duper lyrics. Like, mm-hmm. and And even the guys that incorporate melody, like, he mentioned Kodak, he mentioned 21, like, I have debates about future all the time. Like, whether you like it or not, he says some shit. You know what I'm saying? He may say it in a melodic way, but he says some shit. Um, I had an argument about Uzi all the time. Everybody thinks he just goes out there and makes noises. If When it come down to it, the boy can freestyle for 10 minutes straight. Straight up. Jack can rap his ass off. Mm-hmm. Like, literally rap his ass off. Like, in the end, our new artist said he does a lot of singing. He does a lot of talking to the females, but he can rap his ass off. Yeah. So. I think ultimately, like, yeah, all the other stuff is good, and it may sound cliche to say, oh, yeah, that rap shit is extra, but in the end, 
<laughs> you got to be able to rap. Mm. You know, it also just scares me that there's an audience that doesn't know who can rap. That's mm. the other part mm. too, right? We, we put a lot of it on the artists, the labels, but there's an audience who's not, cannot distinguish. It's like almost like a meal. Like, do you know that that's fast food versus home cook? Like, it's not the same taste. You know what I mean? Like, like Uzi being a rapper, we were just talking about this before we started the cameras. Like, I was saying one, uh, we were talking about songs we to on an airplane. One is um, uh, T.I., and I use T.I. because like, he, younger T.I. raps really quick. So they did a, a chopped and screwed version of Urban Legend. Mm -hmm. And when you hear Tip Slow, you're like, holy shit. He's obviously a great rapper. Mm -hmm. When you hear it slow, super it hits. Mm -hmm. So I said to say, when you slow Uzi down, mm -hmm. bro. Mm -hmm. Nice no, he said some shit. Mm -hmm. Uzi's the only dude who's getting out of his car and rapping with a fan. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, and like actually like killing it with them. It's just crazy to me that there's an audience that can't detect, like Future. I say it almost every episode. I think he's one of the best writers of our time. Mm -hmm. Like, Absolutely. And, and change the way you write and like the way, like, it's full art. You know what I mean? I think there's this perception that, that traditionally hip-hop is supposed to sound like, right? So when you listen to a purist or most people, honestly, that are in your position, they, they look at it and say, okay, when, when, when he has the ability to rap, they may not be able to get past the draw. They may mm. not be able to get past if they don't rhyme a bunch of words together. Like ultimately to me, lyricism is somebody's ability to make you feel a certain type of way. Yeah. And they may do it talking slow. They may do it rapping fast. They may do it through singing. They may do it with a, a floor to draw like Kodak. Like I, I argue about Kodak all the time. Like to me, he says some shit. It's you know crazy. And like, and you know, it may not be, you know, looking at it, it may, you may not want to accept, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it coming from dude, you know what I'm saying? Florida God, gold teeth, but he's saying some shit, you know, so. I feel like a, for a large part, for many of us, um, when music was getting super commercial, especially like early, like, or like mid 2000s, I feel like mixtapes were the home for, okay, I want to hear rap and I want to hear the new shit. Do you feel like mixtapes still function the same way? especially when we're in a time today where uh, streaming, everyone's making their own mixtape every day. Mm -hmm. I looked at the other day on Spotify, I had 16, I had a 1600 playlist. I was like, how the fuck do I even have, like, mm. <laughs> how, you know? And they're not, now they're not necessarily Gangster Grills, Don Cannon mixtapes, mm -hmm. but it's me taking over the, the, the craft of the mixtape. Do you feel like they still function the same way? You know, Rap Caviar, in a sense, became what Gangsta Grills was. Like, it was where, mm. it was what every artist wanted to be on, you know, because of the, the, the listener and the discovery element of it. So, you know, I think that that's always going to be important when it comes to, you know, um, it comes to, you know, the, the, the culture, like just the discovery, you know, and people wanting to uh, be put on to new shit at all times. Yeah, besides that, I love I love what Spotify is doing. Like when they're doing these playlists, uh, the songs are starting to blend with each other. I've yeah, never yeah. heard that. So I, I took a trip for Christmas to Miami and when I was driving it was uh a lot of playlists were running concurrent. Like you weren't hearing songs cut off anymore. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each other. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's dope. And mm -hmm. I just discovered that and I think that's like a part of what we were doing too. We were blending the best songs together with the best artists, with the undiscovered artists. Yeah. And I think the mechanics of it is starting to will its way back into a, a space where we can do that. The thing the playlist can't do though. Just talk like y'all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew that was coming. The thing the playlist can't, for real. And when coming. you talk about directing mm -hmm. the listener, um, so much of what you all do is still directing the listener, even in being like, hey, this thing you just heard is important. Feel this way when you hear this. Mm -hmm. I mean, like artists tapping you all to be involved in their projects, to be like, 
hey, that thing I need, I can't do. I can sequence it. I can, you know, I can put it out on any platform, any medium I want. I could do vinyl, but I can't do that that human thing. Yeah, that's you know? that's the holdback because we have playlists like we got what Gangsta Grills top twenty five or our our streets is watching radio yeah, show. Yeah. We got the top twenty five, but the one thing that makes it hard to do is that we really don't have control over mm-hmm. what we're doing. Like we can't run it back right there. Like we want to, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. We can't say what we wanted to say right there. So like those playlists like that are just they feel it still feels a little weird to be able to you know move it when we can't do what we want to manipulate it how we want to y'all should just do an album of just the ad libs the drops and let us take them and throw it into my other playlist I mean maybe that will fuck up the business but I know for a lot of us that is that's directing fire. right that's like that directing people that's not bad I did because there's times you're like this song's great but you know it'd be really great yeah. if it had a flex bomb here mm-hmm. this shit's great but you know it'd be really great if it had cannon like it's like you need those it's those the bells pieces. and the whistles it's, it's, it's that extra umph, you know what I'm saying, that, that you get, like, when you when you listen to it and it's just like, you know, you, you, you that energy that, that you it's can't important. get from anywhere else. And I think for a fan who's just been through a couple different eras and generations, um, when you, those things go away, sometimes you don't even know what you're missing, mm. but you feel it, mm-hmm. and then you don't know until they return, mm-hmm. right? And then the person who carries them, like, they return in the right way, you're like, yeah, that's the shit mm-hmm. I need, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that human, that human piece that, like, uh, hopefully AI don't never touch that, right? Like, hopefully we never get to that point. But it's like that, that, how do y'all feel about AI, by the way? Man, it's it's rough because, you know, I'm in the technology, so I'm really trying to decipher what I'm seeing. So, like, now I have a, 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 a folder in my Chrome, and it's, like, new finds. Mm. And the stuff that I'm finding now, like, I found something called Ugly Duckling for one thing, right? Ugly Duckling is you could type in a sentence and pick anybody's voice. See, that's just so scary. I could, put, mm-hmm. I could put DJ Drama and Cannon are back and put Will Smith's voice, and it's Will Smith's voice. I could put Samuel Jackson's voice. Like, it's really crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I'd have to work so much harder at what I do because if you could just change my voice, like, I don't know. Like, I got I to gotta yeah, work way harder. The fact that they hard. got one that you can do Drake songs, like, you just type yeah. in your idea of what it is yeah. and then and Drake. Turn into a Drake song. <laughs> Bro, that's wow to yeah, most time most time a tech shit pops up i think i um i don't know i'm 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 50 50 because sometimes i'm like oh that's the new shit i'm gonna embrace and sometimes i'm like that looks like a disaster and the ai shit feels like a disaster to me mm-hmm. but i don't know it might change over time but between people being like i'm gonna look like you i'm gonna sound like you like i don't know they got journalists that they find out dudes writing whole essays I was using just about to using say that, Chat bro, GPT or some they shit. They have one where people can say they need an essay for college. This ex, this exquisite essay that it, that they did was written by a bunch of words found all over the internet. You know what I mean? You no, type in, easy, "Let man. me do a paper about Bastia," <laughs> and I need it to be six pages. You press generate, and it generates a six page essay about Bastia. And it's like, here, teacher, well, well, <laughs> you know well written, right. well written. <laughs> Like no plagiarism, which nah. is that shit's frightening. Like y'all, and I don't know, and and you're seeing it always hits us where we're entertained at, right? You're gonna see it in the spots that we have the most fun at. Yeah. It's like um social media. Social media has a whole other value besides just us chatting, but they give it to us in those ways that we feel excited. When I see the someone the Drake song generator, I'm terrified. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm sure Drake's not. He's like, I'm fine. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, <laughs> as a fan, I'm terrified, and it's like it changes the business, like. Will a song like that get let on streaming, or will streaming be the only place you can prove that it's mm. a it's a it's a generation now song? You know, like will that be the way we 
we validate and verify that shit. Going That's into crazy. A deep fake world. Yeah. Like yeah. I make samples now. Like I make samples. It's a site. You could type in, I want guitars, pianos, drums, vocals. Type in what I want to talk about, generate, it comes up, and I could just sample that. I made that from a bunch of scraps off the internet that they just found all over the place. That's a little scary, bro. Yeah. It's a little scary. You know what I mean? Y'all don't seem y'all don't seem scared enough for me. Like, man, I just, <laughs> I'm the just, most technologically <laughs> non-advanced out of these three. So to me, I'm he's like, 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 like yeah, go I, ahead. I thought y'all were talking about Allen Iverson. I was like, yeah, I fuck with AI. That's my man. He got the cornrows and shit. He was driving 40. Hey, AI, is, AI is tough, man. Uh, well, we're thinking back to human life. Uh, so much, I feel like I grew up in a time where there was regions and scenes really mattered. What's the tone of the Atlanta scene now? I saw 21 Savage talking about how much has changed, you know, yeah. whether it's like Thug and Gunna, yeah. you know, facing that uh, takeoff yeah. and just what's been going on in the city. Um, sometimes things like that can revitalize the scene, but sometimes they can damage the scene. Right. Mm. What's your thoughts on kind of the state of Atlanta right now? Um, I will say that this is probably the, the, the darkest Mm -hmm. uh, time that I've ever felt for Atlanta. It's been rough. I mean, in the last couple of years, just with the, you know, with with the losses, with the, you know, uh, the criminal charges. It just it takes away from some of the camaraderie, from some of the uh, celebratory feeling that Atlanta has been known for. Um, so the energy is a little. Mm, it, it, it's not what it, it it once was. So, I mean, I pray and hope that, you know, like you said, that that could mean that on the other side of a Phoenix can arise and, you know, we can be back in a, in a good space. Um, we're here to do our job and to do our part, you know what I'm saying? And, and that, you know, keep the momentum and, you know, keep the culture and keep the positive energy uh, alive and, and thriving as much as, as much as we can give. I know you guys have like a global approach, but um, what's going on in Atlanta that you do like? That's something that's happening that maybe we need to keep our eyes on. Is there an artist or a small scene bubbling? Um, I, I think what's dope about Atlanta is is there's so many like strong independent black companies. You know what I'm saying? So mm, you got us, sure. you got QC, you got LVRN. Yeah. Um, JD's still doing his thing. It's so so deaf. You got you know there's street execs. Street execs. Like if I'm missing anybody, let me know. Like 1017 Gucci does his thing. Like. There's so many, like, companies, like, and businessmen out there. Mm -hmm. So to me, I feel like that's the one positive that can keep everything going. The business is still flourishing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The, the energy is kind of dead because, honestly, like, a lot of the guys that were providing the energy are into some stuff right mm -hmm. now or something, you know. But as far as the business, the business is still moving. Film and TV is coming down there. It's crazy. You know, like. You know, you gotta. You know, you just gotta give props to where it is. I think, I think, little baby and and the QC guys are doing a hell of a job of like waving the flag and, and keeping the city popping. I think LVRN from a creative space is doing a good job. Mike will Metro. Yeah, yeah, there's tons of people. Yeah. So, to me, the the business is still still there, but the energy's kind of a little off. We got to get it back right. To, to add what he's saying too, on the creative side, like we're still one of the cities or one of the last cities that has multiple studios. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you're traveling to a lot of these cities, they they shut down all their studios. New York has been done. Yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. it's crazy because you can go to Atlanta, it's 15 in the same five-mile mm -hmm. radius. You know what I mean? And that's important as well. You know, mm -hmm. I've always felt like, um, and it's just been an assumption, but I felt like the sort of amount of city, I mean, the amount of uh, studios in that area has 
it's what makes all the artists collaborate and what makes the music kind of like Absolutely. grow at the same time. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yes, yeah. sir. Because I look at... Because we wiggle. I yes. mean, we, we move around literally within... You can get to A, B, and C spot in five to seven minutes. And, you know, it's a phone call away. Yo, I'm up the street, pull up. You mm-hmm. know, and you're moving around and, you know, somebody would, in, in a day's time can move to can go to three, four studios and, and yeah. you know, you never know who you might run into outside of who's there working. And yep. that's always been why Atlanta's been uh, such a collaborative city and, you know, so much work and, you know, so many people, like, uh, mesh together. I always feel like that's, like, sort of the demise of, I, let me not say the demise because people get upset, but, like, why the East Coast is where it's at now, specifically New York, because there aren't really studios. And if they are, it's like, there's a financial hurdle you got to get over. Um, the labels have obviously set up shop in other other cities, but I also feel like that's why the New York sound is so like gritty and rough and tumble because it's really just kids like recording back at their house, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not the same collaborative nature that you find because Atlanta's been like that for the last twenty years. Of, like, and everyone you watch classes of Atlanta artists rise together, mm-hmm. and they absolutely they, and they when they go up, they stay up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Are there, is there another region or regions that you guys have your eyes on? Because, I mean, you guys are really a part of Philly, I want to say. 2.0 is unfair. Maybe Philly 4.0, mm. right? Like, part of Philly 4.0. Um, Jack is part of a scene that's growing and is, like, they've got another tier of artists underneath them mm-hmm. that are popping up. Are there other regions that you guys look to? And is regionalism still important for these other spots? Drum always says this, like, I, don't, I think regionalism is kind of lost because honestly, kids are breaking on the internet. Like, mm. he uses this example all the time. Like, J. Cole didn't break in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Being honest, Jack didn't break in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm. Um, you know, artists are breaking on the internet. So I think once, once you announce where you're from, I think the pride, like when Jack goes back to Kentucky, this kid is literally like Tom Cruise. Or yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that benefits it, but I don't think you have to be, you know, we come from the generation where you got to be the man in your city before you even try to go get a deal. Like honestly, yeah. you know, a kid from Canada can break in, in Ohio like now or break wherever kids are listening to him, you know? So I don't think it's as important. I think what is happening with regions is, is re- some regions are starting to develop their own sounds. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's one thing. I think, you know, New York is starting to find their identity back again. I think mm-hmm. Chicago found their identity. Mm-hmm. Atlanta has their identity. I think Memphis, Detroit. Memphis has its own identity. Detroit is starting to yeah. bubble with their own shit, you know. So I think that's what's happening now. Like people are trying to define that regional sound and say, okay, if it sounds like this, it's from here. Mm. We have this discussion almost every episode and then we just package it differently. Um, Will we see another big three? Like, is that idea done? Absolutely. That's wow. I see a lot of big threes. For sure. Without question. You you see it like you feel like there's another 100%. like. Are we, are they here now? What, 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 What's your big three first and foremost? You know Drake, Kendrick, Cole. So that's the big, yeah. that's that's like the last yeah, big three. Drake, I, and, and, I I, and part of the reason I think that works is because of when they came into the game, we were obviously like, we're fresh off of the, like that prior generation. There's a need to crown them that way. And there's other forces that make them that. So definitely people on my side, media, saying these are the guys. Because when you figure, oh, nine, Kendrick wasn't in that discussion. No. It was like, good kid, Matt City dropped. People were like, all right, these are the three. Right. Right? Cole was already around. Drake had already, he might have been on his second project by then, or third, really. And people are like, this is the big three. But I feel like today we're kind of searching for that same packaging, that same marketing. And I don't know. But 
obviously there can be three great rappers, but I wonder if they'll if they're here now. Like, do we feel like they're active? Not saying it to sound too confident, but honestly, I feel like we got two of the guys that could be the three. There you go. Just mm. being real. There you go. Like, you know, like I think they had a potential to be here. We're, you know, when we look up in a few minutes, Uzi will be here for 10 years, quietly. It's crazy. Quietly, you know. <laughs> quietly, Uzi will be here for 10 years. And Damn, yeah. as you can see, like, he's, he's ever-evolving and he's pushing the boundaries with the sound each time. So he has potential. I think Jack, I mean... He has the potential to be out of this world. We got some some new artists that are coming up. Like we have the potential, I think, to have honestly three of the three. I ain't gonna go that far. But so it is what it is. if we feel if we feel <laughs> like there's two that people shit. can definitely put their names on and be like, yo, these are the guys. Who's your who's your soft three? Who's your number three? Just I, I don't expect you guys all to agree who your third pick is, but who would be a third pick for y'all? Does future count in this generation? No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. I feel like I feel future like and Nikki and and Tyler. Don't get credit for that. For yeah, the they should big, be included. big three. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. understand it's a three or how the Rushmore plays out. Um, it could be twenty one. It could be Kodak, baby, little baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah my mm. boy. can't forget about baby, <laughs> little, little baby. baby. Definitely can't forget about baby. Yeah, for sure. Can we put Young Thug there? It's tough too because I'm like, how much of that is like the time that they popped up, right? Because yeah. even Uzi, Uzi's been around, but he keeps right. reinventing himself. Right. So it's like he could li he lives in four different. Rap generations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, where do you put Travis at? Travis. Yeah. What, what generation is that? I think when we start talking lyricism, I don't know if Travis is in my lyricism bucket. Gotcha. So he can sit in another category that's still massive superstar. Right, right. He finds himself on a Mount Rushmore of like fame. But when they're talking about the big threes, like if we think about like whoever you had in the prior generation, you have Nicole Kendrick. I think lyricism sits there. Mm -hmm. Travis get a line off. He gets some bars off, but it's... When we think about the other guys we're talking about, they sit okay. in a much more rap Not focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about Young Boy? He's probably the youngest and newest of the group. Mm. It's, sometimes it's almost hard to focus because there's so much music, mm -hmm. right? And I, I don't. I shouldn't count against him, mm -hmm. but it's almost just like I don't. Yo, it, I don't know what's important to him. Mm. Yeah, you know that, that's real. He releases so much shit. I don't know what's important to him. Like a body of work, it's a lot of songs sometimes. But when we start talking about like sequencing and all the pieces, the the bells and whistles, I'm waiting for someone to walk him out the door like that. Like this I think is that's gonna come with time, with dude. I think I think that the general skill set is there. Mm -hmm. I think when he actually sits down, like right now, he can record an album in two days. Just keeping it real. Mm -hmm. I I think if this was ten years ago, he wouldn't have released this much music. It wouldn't even been possible, uh -huh. and he'd have probably been like in that. That, that collection because he can release so much sometimes I wonder that too can you release so much you, you dilute your perfection no 100% you going up you big you nice you, you like you got the money you got the numbers but like you know it's like that like you said like throwing a dart and let it hit like the bullseye I may, I may be jumping out off the limb or just be wrong in general but I would like to say that until these artists make that one all eyes on me life after death mm -hmm. Uh, infamous, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. those albums, album. then we can finally say, hey, mm -hmm. it's you. He's one. It's a lot of people that don't that's, have that's a classic one. across the board that we can say, <laughs> that's that three. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? So that's, 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 that's real. You know, that's, that's where I, you know, we can debate that all day. I'm just saying, that's what we're missing now. Mm. I know I got 25 albums in my head that made me feel that those artists were the ones. Yeah. You know, so. And that was to my earlier point and credit is like bodies of work yes sir shit goes a long way yes sir 
That's the perfect ending. <laughs> Guys, that's it. This is the whole episode. That's it. I just wanted to pick y'all brains, steal some facts, some gems, man. This is it, man. Thank you guys for pulling up Thank for this, you, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good looking. Um, guys at home, that's it. This is another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow. Stay tuned in. And we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.